All right. So here's our cold open question. All right. It says, we're living with an uncertain economy right now with experts saying that we are entering into a recession. What advice would you give to young people who are just starting to figure out their careers and finances during economic times like these? Yeah, I think if you're a young person, you're going to score because uh, I think that things are getting ready to reset. I don't think that we figured out how to, uh, you know, they've been doing this quantitative easing thing for 20 years where basically the way that they kind of prop up this debt economy is they just print money and, mm-hmm. and they don't even really print it anymore. They just on a computer sheet type it in and the money is 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 out there. And so what that's caused is is things to get more and more expensive. And so I know young people all love the stimulus checks. But all that money that you receive, you're going to have to pay back later in some way because the system can't just run on that. So I think there's going to be a hard reset. That's my opinion. We're preparing, we're preparing as a church for 2023 for, for bumpy roads. Mm-hmm. Here's the good news. I think rents have to come down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think housing prices have to come down. Those are my opinions. I'm not an economist, so I'm just your pastor. You asked this question. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of people, Dave Ramsey, that disagree with me. And, and I, I don't want to be like Dave, Dave Ramsey, who I think, you know, when he speaks on all things finance, I think he gets into the weeds a little bit and he gets out of his specific uh, sweet spot, which is basically pay off debt. Mm-hmm. You know, he really, really helps people who are struggling, uh, nickel and diming their budgets rather than speaking into long-term, you know, he's not a Warren Buffett. Right. So I, I don't want to pretend that I'm a Warren Buffett, but what Tammy and I are doing right now is we're stocking up on cash and we're we're ready and able to invest if we have this opportunity. And so I did this in 08. Our church did this in 08. So part of the reason that Sandals has all of the buildings that we have is we bought in uh, 09, mm-hmm. 2010. And like the building that you're sitting in right now was for sale for 12 million. I think we paid 5.5 million for wow. it. And we got owner financing. So the owner financed this. So I, I mean, I couldn't get a bank to loan us money. Banks wouldn't even talk to us. Mm-hmm. And this owner financed this building and the building next door to us, you know, he carried that loan uh, for 3.8 million just interest only for five years. Wow. So we were able to do some amazing things. Now to put that in perspective, so total all in, and this is the Hunter Park campus. We were 11.5 million. We got offered last year, $55 million for these two buildings. <laughs> so now we turned that down because we have to, right. we have to have a place to worship, <laughs> but you know, we were, we were able to do that. And so you, you need to be positioned. And again, you know, Jesus says, be as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. And so think of serpents only having the opportunity to strike once. And so a lot of Christians think, well, God's in control. Yes. But what has he placed you in control mm-hmm. of? And that is your financial decisions. And so just be looking at things and positioning yourself. And again, for young people, stop following your passions, find something you're good at mm-hmm. and use that to, to make the world a better place and earn money. Mm-hmm. Find find something that you're good at. And I just see so many young people, well, I'm not passionate about this. There are things about my job that I am not passionate about. I have a couple of meetings today. I am not passionate <laughs> about that. I don't like confronting people, challenging people. I don't like dealing with employees. I don't like managing budgets. I don't like hearing about, you know, I made the mistake last week of looking at one of my videos on TikTok. So now for whatever reason, TikTok's figured out that I like watching myself. So I didn't know you guys were posting (laughs) me on TikTok. And so, uh, so I'm watching this video and I made the mistake of scrolling through the comments and oh my gosh, you know, it was just, it was just brutal, but, um, you know, we just have to learn and we have to say, okay, um, you know, we're, we're going to try to get through this. And so I get, why was, why did I bring that up? I just had a total, if you don't know, I'm on back pain medication right now. So I'm only yeah. halfway responsible for what I say today. <laughs> so I can't, I don't, I don't know how that was a second. You're talking about find something you're good at. Oh yeah. Find something you're good at. So, so they they thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Donna just brought us back. Thank God for Donna who is <laughs> medicated free on today's episode. But, um, so many young people are trying to find their passion through their work. And, and what I would encourage you yeah. to do is work so that you can enjoy your passion. That's good. Because that's what vacation is for. That that's what life is for. And there's going to be things that you don't want to do. And especially with Chat GPT and all of this AI that's coming up, find something that cannot be replaced by a computer because you're just going to see whole career segments wiped out. Yeah. And Chat GPT is going to be able to do it faster without attitude. You know, uh, doesn't want to be paid overtime and better <laughs> in many instances than what we can do. And so you know, find a way to improve the lives of people. And, you know, computer, as far as I know, in our lifetime, will never be able to simulate human touch. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, I don't think we're in danger of Terminator yet. The robots still look like goofy robot rabbits. They look like the bad droids from the, the second Star Wars series. <laughs> That's what they look like still. But so find something that, you know, that you're that you're good at. And just ask mm-hmm. people, what am I good at? And then find a career that allows you to do that and makes the money that you need. And so my goal has always been, I want to provide for my family and make enough so that I can be generous. Mm-hmm. And that's always been my goal. And God has blessed that. And years ago, when I first started Sandals Church, for those of you you know who want to make a difference, 
this guy was a deacon at our church, a Baptist church in Huntington Beach. His name was Brent, a great guy. And he said, my goal is to make enough money that my tithe pays our pastor's salary so no one has, else has to do that. And I said, so you want God to bless your giving, not your getting? And he said, exactly. Mm. And I, so right, I was probably 25 years old. I said, okay, God, I want you to bless my giving, mm-hmm. not my getting. And that's just been a kind of a philosophy of life that I've had. Because again, I, I think a lot of Christians don't think about what's the difference between a river and um, a reservoir. A reservoir is dammed. Yeah. It holds on to his water. A river lets it flow. And so if you want to be a river for God, let his money that he gives you flow through you. And there's just been so many amazing things that I, I never thought I, I would be able to do. Like I never thought I'd be able to buy a house. I never thought I'd be able to get my kids through college. I never thought any of these those things would happen, but I put generosity first and I tried to be wise about my decisions and God's blessed us. Yeah. And I mean, our most expensive things are over. So I got two of my kids through college. I have two daughters. You know, and, and in our culture, I don't understand this, how that's fair, but the, the father of the bride pays the bill for the wedding <laughs> and I got two girls. So we did that, but our major expenses are, are over and we're at a position now where we have one kid left and thank God he doesn't want much. He's pretty easy. So, you know, we're able to think about being, you know, more generous and, yeah. and able to, to give in different places. So again, look around, look at jobs for the future, pay attention, look at what you can do. And, and that's the thing is, you know, work smarter, not harder. So find a place where you can work and just pray about it. And I believe God will bless that. And a lot of young people today, especially men, uh, ages 18 through 40 do not want to work and are not looking for jobs. So, um, women are outpacing. I know the narrative is women get paid less. Actually women under 40 make like 1.75% of what men, the same age make. It's wow. crazy. Women are highly educated. It's why women are struggling to find husbands. Men? Yeah. Because <laughs> because women typically want a man that makes as much or more, mm-hmm. has as much education or more, mm-hmm. and that group of men is shrinking. Mm-hmm. And so uh, women are really, really struggling to I, to pair off with someone that they see as compatible. And um, so... So just find something that you're really, really good at. There's going to be a ton of growth in healthcare because our population is getting older. The world is getting older. And so you may not want to change poopy diapers for adults, but that's going to be something that computers cannot do and we're going to need. And there's going to be all kinds of issues with memory care, yeah. health care. Mm-hmm. So those are good fields to go into that seem to be incredibly stable. Um, but just hang on. I think nobody knows what 2023 is going to bring. Anybody who tells you they know the future is lying. Only God knows. Only mm-hmm. God has foreknowledge. Mm-hmm. And every now and then he blesses us with a word of prophecy where we get a glimpse right. of what's happening. And so I don't have a word of prophecy here for you, but, but I would just say, hold on. Don't be afraid to, if you, you know, if you have to move, get a couple roommates, you know, times are changing. It used to be for the last 50 years that you turned 18, you moved out, you had your own place. We may be entering into a time where families have to come back together mm-hmm. to, to make things happen. And um, and that's okay. My grandmother in Texas lived in a house with no toilet on the inside and dirt floors. And her parents rented out their kitchen every night for someone to sleep in. Wow. So my grandmother grew up her entire life waking up in the morning and she had to go through the front door to the outhouse to use right. the bathroom and she had to step over new people. Wow. Because that's how they lived in Texas. Mm-hmm. So think of dirt floors, no electricity, through the dust bowl with an outdoor toilet. Yeah. And they did it mm-hmm. and produced you know, an incredible country because of, you know, the difficulties that they face. So hang in there. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, I think America will find a way. I just do. And if someone's going to figure it out, we are, if we can get past our, our political differences and try to find some kind of common ground where we don't just try to, you know, destroy each other. I wish the Democrats and Republicans could figure out we all have to live here, but you know, I think they care more about being elected and being in power than they actually care about governing. And so, you know, there's like in California, we're just, we just do stupid things. Like, you know, Governor Newsom signed that bill last year that we don't pump water out of the Delta during December and January. So guess what that means? All this rain? Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. 95%. And if you're a Democrat, please write him a letter and tell right. him that's stupid. Right. That is absolutely stupid. I don't want to hear about global warming. I want to hear about better decision making. Mm-hmm. And we need to pump the water. And that, that's just some of the things that we just can't get out of our own way because we, we jump into these tribes where we're, we're right or we're left. And it's like, look, just what's, what is the wise choice mm-hmm. here? And, and we need to do that. And, you know, I was just looking at, um, you know, San Bernardino, your city, the second most violent city mm-hmm. in the state. Yeah. And actually probably in the nation. Yeah. <laughs> One in 80 people have the chance in San Bernardino of being violently, uh, have a violent crime committed against mm-hmm. 
One yeah. in 80. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ridiculous. That's like worse than Iraq. Yeah. So let's do something about right. that. Let's have some common sense about our, our borders. You know, the, we have human trafficking, human smuggling in Northern California. They have all these people that are disappearing yeah. because the, uh, the Mexican gangs, not the gangs, what do they call them? Cartels. The cartels are moving into Northern California. They're moving out the, the low end drug dealers and people are just disappearing mm-hmm. all over the place. And, you know, they have counties in Northern California with one sheriff and he covers like 500 miles. Oh, wow. Square miles. It's crazy. And he's like, I'm not going out there. Yeah. So we, we have to deal with these issues mm-hmm. and, and not just, you know, fall into the stupid labels of racism, sexism, homophobia. You know, sometimes those things are present, but we have to govern and live together. Mm-hmm. And because you and I want the same thing. Absolutely. Our kids to be safe. We want our streets to be safe. And especially like what we're seeing with, you know, the police officers that we've lost. You mm-hmm. know, that last officer we lost mm-hmm. is African-American. Yeah, right. His life matters, right? Right. Absolutely. And he was just doing his job trying to help somebody who, you know, domestic violence thing. So I think we need to come together and we just say, look, you know, the future is uncertain. It's going to be bumpy. Let's come together. Let's try to figure this out. Mm. Stop yelling at each other and let's move forward. But um, the world is changing. Yeah. Uh, I think what I hear you also saying in this, which I think is a piece no, you're saying lots of good things. Um, Number one, don't be afraid, Right. you know, Um, make sure that you're a living river, like you're allowing the resources that God, but also I think community is so important. When we walk through these difficult times where the world feels like like it's completely falling apart, we need each other. I heard you say each other a lot. So I think that's really good. Yeah. And don't make everything a religious issue. And I think that's the problem that everything's Mm. theological, everything's Mm, religious. mm -hmm. And so when that happens, then we can't change because now it's about God. It's like, well, it's probably about you. (laughs) So um, you know, this might be a year where you have to work more than one job. Mm. And so if you're a young person, when I started Sandals Church, I, I don't want to sound like the old guy who walked uphill both ways in the snow <laughs> with so sh- no shoes. Oh, but you did. But when I started Sandals <laughs> Church, a lot of people don't realize this. I worked Monday through Friday as a teacher. I went to school on Tuesday and Thursday nights and all day Saturdays. I preached on Sundays. Mm. And then when school was out, I worked at a bike store, a performance bike store on the Saturdays oh my gosh. to make enough money to be able to be your pastor. And then Tammy and I double tithed. So we double tithe for three years wow. in order to, you know, create a budget for Sandals Church because it was really, really difficult. Wow. And that's what we had to do to get where we're going to be. And so I know that we live in a culture that loves to hate on guys like Elon Musk, but that guy worked a hundred hours a week for free for like 10 years. Mm. And, and most people just aren't willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what are you willing to do? And again, your twenties is the decade where you find out your limits. Mm-hmm. And then in your thirties, you have to live within, you know, those limits because not yeah. everybody has the same the same skill set. Mm-hmm. And so we all have to live. We're not all equal. I wish we were. I'm not equal to myself. I'm not the same guy today that I was two weeks ago. My back doesn't work. Mm. And so, you know, we're not equal to ourselves on the same day. And so um, we need to figure out what we can do. W- what's my mind skill set? What's my focus? What are my abilities? What, you know, what, what are my skill sets? And then, okay, God, I'm going to serve you with these things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I believe that there's a lot of opportunities still out there, despite all of the challenges. America is still the greatest place on earth Absolutely. to live, to work, to come, you know, that's why uh, Elon Musk left Africa to get here. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the richest men on earth. There's opportunities everywhere if you figure out a way to serve people that's and right. bless them. And then work hard. Don't screw work people hard. over. So, yeah. wow, that was like awesome. the longest answer ever. Oh, that was really good. Welcome to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, Pastor Matt. Yeah, welcome to the Debrief, man. Oh my welcome. gosh, man. I just was like chilling right there to that music. I know, it was so good. <laughs> I was like, okay. We, I don't know, we if, I, I don't know if I wanted to take a nap or <laughs> listen to a podcast. That was really good. So we have been in an incredible series. I have heard and seen so much feedback from this amazing series through Exodus. Yeah. And it's been a couple of weeks. So can you just summarize a little bit? about what you've been talking about, how you're feeling about the message. Yeah, so we're basically looking at, for those of you who don't know, we're looking at the Ten Commandments and how they're mm-hmm. basic rules for life. And so there was this guy named Jordan Peterson that I read his book, 12 Rules for Life, a couple years ago, and it was just really profound. And his rules are great rules, but they're not God's rules. Right. And God's rules are even better. And so we're just you know, unpacking you know, this journey of really the people of Israel learning what it means to be the people of Israel coming out of Egypt, coming out of the world's dominant power, the world's dominant culture, and creating really Judaism within mm-hmm. that. And so a lot of times we think of Judaism as something that 
you know, pre-existed Moses, but really it's established as they go into the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Who are we? What are we? How do we live? You know, before that, they're a nomadic tribe. And especially as you read through Genesis, you're like, oh my gosh, what are these people doing? (laughs) Well, they don't have the law yet. They don't have the instruction yet. They have a God, they have a goal, but they don't have the law. Mm -hmm. And so they need this law. They need these principles to discover who God's called them to be. And we need these laws and these rules to help us discover who God's called us to be. And again, uh, we're going to cover this when we get to the Sabbath, which is the fourth commandment. But we are not what we do occasionally. We are what we do consistently. Mm -hmm. And that's why the Sabbath is something that you have to do every week so that you are becoming consistently, you know, who God's called you to be. I've been... um, really, really listening to a lot of scientists and neuroscientists talking about how difficult it is to change. What they're discovering about our minds is that 95% of what we do in our minds is on autopilot. We don't mm. think about it. Mm-hmm. We don't. We just literally are creatures of habit. We're creatures of responding to our wounds and hurts and fears from the past. And most human beings are only using 5% of their brain Gosh. to actually live in the present. And so, and I just think about that, how, you know, Jesus says, uh, you must repent um, and, and, you know, repent of your sins and, and believe in him. And that word repentance in English comes to us from the Latin, which is penance, which comes to us from the Greek, which is metaneo. And it makes a huge change from Greek to Latin. So penance, right? It's something that we do. It's a physical action, mm-hmm. really trying to say, how do I physically show that I've mentally changed? And so that's the struggle that Jerome is using when he's trying to, he's trying to describe this, this, a conscious change of the mm-hmm. mind. Well, it's it's through action, but then it comes to us in English as repentance was just literally a ter- to turn. turn. Yeah, but that's not what it means. It's a change of mind. Mm-hmm. And so, what I think Jesus is acknowledging before neuroscience is ever invented, look, man, you're on autopilot, mm. and you need to wake up to the kingdom of God. Well, where is it, Jesus? Hmm. It's right here. Yeah, it's all around. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's amazing. And so, so how do I get myself in this rhythm of being conscious um, to? the kingdom of God that is all around me, that is present at all times. Well, I organize my life according to the rules of God. And so, you know, so much of false spirituality, right, is I can just, I, I'm just this, um, you know, jellyfish that moves like the rhythm. What, the, 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 what's that guy's song? Uh, Jack Johnson's song, I just move like a jellyfish. And so that's kind of like our, um, you know, our kind of view of modern religion is we just kind of go with the flow. Mm. You know, I love that line, you go with the flow, you don't stop. Well, that's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible actually says that that going with the flow is the problem. Mm-hmm. And so what we need to do is we need to ride ourselves. We need to anchor ourselves against the wind, against the waves, against the tide. Otherwise, we're tossed, as James says, mm-hmm. to and fro. And so how do I do that, especially if I wasn't raised a Christian? I don't know what it means. I look at these Ten Commandments. And, and so here's the beauty. If you're new to Christianity or you're not a Christian, is this is a great place to start because these Jews don't know God either. Mm-hmm. They're learning. as this As we go through this, they're learning who he is. All they know right now is this God name I am spoke to him. Yeah. Well, who's that? Well, we had this great grandpa named Abraham <laughs> right. and, and Isaac and Jacob, and they had a son named Joseph, and that's why we're here in Egypt. And we were invited, but now we're enslaved. Like, mm-hmm. So there's this whole story there, and they know their story, but they don't know God's story yet in their lives and how to live that. And so we just kind of start with these rules. And so you know, this last week is, is God is the only God that can set you free. Mm-hmm. And that is so important because... We are so naturally uh, inclined to slavery. Yeah. You know, what's uh, Bob Marley's song, No One Can Set You From Mental Slavery? Oh, what is the line? I love that line, but ourselves. And, you know, he smoked a lot of weed, but he had some (laughs) truth in that um, because he's talking about slavery is is something that's mental. Yeah. And and I'm not saying, you know, that it wasn't literal. It it is. Right. But I think what he's saying there is, man, so many of us are still stuck in bondage. Yeah. And so what happens to the people of Israel get out what do they do? Oh, we miss the melons. Mm-hmm. We miss the cucumbers. You know, we miss, you know, all the wonderful mm-hmm. things. Remember we had fish for free? Yeah, but you were a slave. <laughs> right. They threw you one, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. so, so, you know, it's just about this journey out. And so that's where we get that's the English good. word exodus. You know, if you want to exit your life, if you want to exit, you know, your struggle, this is where you start and you put God first. Yeah. And I think what was so powerful as well, is just that you can't free yourself like mm-hmm. as much you can't be you can't sit on the throne of your own mm-hmm. life and then expect no. i'm going to be free no you will enslave yourself yeah. yeah um god has to be first and what i also think is so good i think even for people that have been maybe christians for a long time going back and looking at those 10 commandments and saying hey no we don't do away with all of no. these yeah it's about relationship but jesus he came to fulfill it not yeah. to just like chuck it right mm-hmm. so i think 
it's been such a good series and reminder and even to go back through Exodus and read those cool stories that it's it's amazing (laughs) it's really amazing I've loved it Mm -hmm. so good all right well we have some amazing questions uh this one is from anonymous hello anonymous in Marino Valley Annie Moss I love that. (laughs) All right, Annie. Um, So on your last debrief, you brought up a couple that wanted a divorce and you basically said the husband needed to man up and put in the work to save his marriage and family. My question is, what do you say to a couple when one of the spouses still wants to leave the marriage, even after they've put in the work to heal it? Turning around broken relationships doesn't seem as I'm assuming as easy as just putting in the work. Yeah. So Anonymous, every relationship is unique. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm hoping that you didn't feel judged based upon your unique specific situation as I spoke to another situation. And so what I would just say is, again, that's where you need to come to church. You need to meet with soul care, get into some marriage coaching and have some people speak specifically to, you know, your relationship. Because a marriage does take two. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't just have one spouse, you know, that works. You know, I, you know, God forbid my wife goes nuts or I go nuts and there's a divorce and, you know, I mean, a divorce would impact me more than her because it's my career. And so, you know, I, I believe that I cannot manage the affairs of the church if I can't manage the affairs of my own family. And so it would cause me to have to change my career, which is difficult (laughs) at 51 years old. (laughs) So, but let's say Tammy just goes nuts and she's like, I'm out, Mm -hmm. which I've seen, I've seen Mm -hmm. people flip out, crack, just lose it, lose it. And, Mm -hmm. And so, so. You know, if she would, for whatever reason, is unwilling to work, you know, moves to Idaho to be with her family and says, I'm done, am I accountable Mm -hmm. because she has made it? I don't believe so. So I think what you're accountable for is your part in that. Now, having said that, Annie Moss, I think honestly, there's, there's very few occasions where I've counseled a couple where I've said, you've done all you can. Yeah. I think most of us, if we're honest, there's more we can do. And I can't tell you how many people who've gotten divorced and as they've reflected, they've said, you know what? I could have done some more Mm -hmm. because when you're in the present, you're in the emotion and you're hurt. It's real easy to say, I, you know, I can't take this anymore. I, you know, nobody likes pain. Nobody likes heartache. Everybody wants escape. Yeah. So how can I sit through this? What can I do? And again, that's where I think it's really, really important to find a great counselor, a great therapist, someone who loves God. I think Mm -hmm. that's important. It always drives me crazy when, you know, not that a non-Christian therapist you know, doesn't have wise things to say, but if they don't have the same base that you right. do, I don't know how they're going to counsel you to do what you feel like you're called to do. And so what I would just say, you know, Annie, and I know your name's not Annie, whatever your name <laughs> is, I just w- would go to somebody and say, Hey, here's what I've done. And here's the thing you got to be careful. And, and this is why I'm not a big fan of counseling. The counselor, and this is not against the therapist, but the therapist only knows what you tell them. Exactly. So a therapist, like if, if, if you know, you came to me for counseling, but Devo doesn't come, mm-hmm. I'm only getting your perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and even if you said, well, Devo might say, that's still your perspective of what he might mm-hmm. say. And it's not what he's going to say. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the, the actual challenge that if Devo is honest, he might tick you off, mm-hmm. then it makes it worse. And so that's the, the whole challenge of marriage counseling is, are we willing to get real enough so that we can heal? Absolutely. If you want to heal, you got to get real. And so many couples are dancing around the elephant in the room you know, trying to pretend it's not there. And it's like, look, this, this is a big problem. And, and let me just say this, some of marriage is, you're not going to change personalities. I mean, that's just one of the things that I learned is my wife has personality quirks. I have personality quirks. And some of marriage is having grace and just saying, okay, I married a different person. Yeah. And it's not sin, it's personality. It's not the same way that I would do something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love my wife. She's extraordinarily organized. She's much cleaner in the house than me. She leaves every single empty drink ever in my car. (laughs) My car is full of all of her empty drinks, teas, Coke, water bottles, whatever. And so, okay, like, what is that on a scale? It's nothing. She's super clean. She's a beautiful, amazing woman. She's incredible. You know, that's something that, you know, that I just have had to say, okay, she, when she gets out of the car, she's not focused on what's in the car. She hates the fact that I leave my underwear on the floor. Yeah. But that's not a personal assault against her soul. Right. It's, it's just not something that, you know, and, and now, Having seen my children, I understand how frustrating that can be (laughs) because someone else's mess is always worse than yours. And that's why Jesus said, why do you look at the speck in someone else's eye when you can't see the log in your own? So there are personality quirks that you discover in marriage that you don't know about Mm -hmm. when you date. Yeah. And, and, and you're going to be shocked by some of those things. And so you just have to work through those things. So what I would just say is, 
I don't know if you've put in the work or not. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. And hopefully, mm-hmm. like you said in, in the cold open, bring in some people mm-hmm. who love you enough to tell you the truth. Most of us don't have those friends. Yeah, absolutely. Most of us do not have the friends that will say, Donna, I love you. I think most people want a cheerleader. They yeah. want somebody to justify. I mean, I've been going through a situation recently with a person and- Was her name Annie Moss? No, it was. No, Annie, we'll leave you alone now. (laughs) Um, And I just go, oh, she doesn't, she doesn't want the truth. She wants me to justify whatever she's already made her mind up that she wants to do. Mm -hmm. And that it's incredibly frustrating. I think you're right. I think people think they're putting in the work and they're really just, even if you show up to counseling, if you're lying or you're not being real, like you said, or you have some skewed view of whatever. And a lot of people need their own personal therapy too, outside of the marriage Mm -hmm. counseling. So, yeah, I I discovered this in counseling. This is probably, I would say 20 years ago, Tammy and I were going to counseling and I found myself wanting the therapist to like me. Hmm. That's That's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm an unhealthy three (laughs) on the Enneagram. So, uh, you know, my goal is to win at everything. Mm. That's not very helpful in Mm -hmm. therapy. Right. So, because if I'm trying to impress her and I'm a better talker than Tammy, I'm a quicker thinker than mm-hmm. Tammy. And so that gives me an unfair advantage in therapy. And it's very frustrating to Tammy. Um, so I had to learn to really, really step back. Um, you know, our last counseling session we went, it was like two weeks ago. I was quiet for 45 minutes. You have no idea how hard that is for me. <laughs> Good job, Pastor. But, <laughs> but it, you know, it, t- it took my wife about 45 minutes to figure out what she needed yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's just not me. I, I mean, I'm like right into it and I jump into it and uh, I kind of, my personality is I find out what I'm thinking as I'm talking. Mm-hmm. My wife is like, not that way. Mm-hmm. So I have to be very, very careful because when it comes out of my mouth, she's like, that's what you believe for all time. Mm-hmm. Nope. So you're processing through. Out yeah, loud. Yeah. 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 So I think we all need this. And, 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 and again, the more successful you become, the more desperate you need this. Mm. You know, like I was watching, um, you know, the Dallas Cowboys lost on Saturday and I just, I watched Jerry Jones and he's an extraordinarily powerful man. He's a billionaire. He owns the Cowboys. And this guy clearly has no one in his life, <laughs> no one in his life that speaks truth to him because mm. it's hard to speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. He went up to the kicker. Now I was a field goal kicker, so I'm sensitive. So I was rooting for the 49ers. Nobody <laughs> judged me, but every single kick that Dallas Cowboy kicker, I was rooting for him because I was a kicker. I know yeah. how that feels. You know, you got all these monsters, you know, and, and gigantic beasts and you're this little <laughs> tiny guy and the whole game is on you. And um, I still am emotionally scarred. Our homecoming year, my <laughs> senior year, the whole crowd, thousands of people, Matt Brown, Matt oh, Brown. No. And I missed. Oh, oh it's horrible. I miss, I still feel that pain. So I was rooting for him. But before the game, Jerry Jones, the billionaire owner, mm-hmm. walked onto the field, grabbed the player by the face mask. That doesn't help. No. And it's like, Jerry, sit in your office, let the coaches coach, mm-hmm. you be the owner. And he just, it, it's just an example of the more successful we become, the more we need someone to speak truth to mm-hmm. us. And, and that becomes very, very difficult especially the older you get, the more set in your ways you get. And mm-hmm. so just just have those people that are willing to have that hard conversation. Absolutely. And I, I can just tell you, I'm a person that has to have way more hard conversations than I want. They're never easy. And oftentimes, you know, it ends the friendship. I was talking with mm-hmm. Pastor Brian Burson. He's at our Banning campus and he's one of our wisest leaders. And he just told me, he said, it's a very unique person that can listen to a hard conversation and grow. Mm-hmm. Most people take the victim route. Mm. You know, I was, I was hurt. I was mistreated at the church, you know, and it's like, man, no, you heard something that you didn't want to hear and you didn't like it. And it's easier to leave and go find another church than to sit in that and listen and grow. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I just, I appreciate, you know, Brian out, out at that campus. I mean, he took over that campus. I think they were running like, I don't know, 30 people. Mm. And he had some people that, were in positions of power and he just had really hard conversations and they left and they were upset. But now that church is running 400 and he's was willing to have the hard talks. And I just really value him and appreciate him and love him. And and I've just seen God do such work in his life, but he's brave enough to tell somebody the truth. Now you got to say it in love. We speak the truth in love. And uh, you know, when someone says, you want me to be real? I'm always like, no, you know, cause you're going to be rude. That's (laughs) what you mean. You're going to be rude. And so, um, you know, we need to just say, okay, this is going to be really hard. And here's what I've learned. I follow this guy on TikTok who's, uh, he, he just talks to people about how to talk and I just love him. And so I started doing what he says and I didn't, you know, nobody, no pastor taught me this. And cause as pastors, we're not, we don't know everything. Absolutely. We know the Bible, but he right. said, whenever you have a hard conversation, this is how I start, you know, Donna, I want to have a hard conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And then you pause 
and I give you about 10 seconds to yeah. set yourself, <laughs> right? to prepare yourself. And then I say, here's what we need to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I love you and I care for you, but I need you to listen to me on this. And, um, you know, especially in a position of leadership, it's, it's not about my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this is, this is what I want to do. And as the leader, I need you to do this. And I have to pray through, is this manipulative? Is this wrong? You know, I have to work through all those, those things, but it's hard to lead people where they don't want to go. Yeah. And welcome to God's role. Right. Right. So, so we need that. Who's that person in your life that says, man, this is, this is going to be a really hard talk. You know, I married that person. She's, my wife's afraid of everyone and everything but me. So <laughs> she just lets it rip when it comes to me. And I needed that. And, and I, I would not be, I would not be who I am today without her. And I would just tell you, if you don't have a truth tell in your life, That's you will right. never scratch the surface right. of who, who you're called be. to be. Yep. Absolutely. So good. Love it. Um, Mindy from Menifee says, I've read Exodus many times. I'm just now recognizing that God foretold of their slavery, slavery to Abraham back in Genesis 15. As I'm reading through Exodus chapter one, I can't help but think of the moms and dads to little boys that were not Moses's parents. How do I justify the fact that God didn't save all those boys too? I know he saved many through the midwives, but then Pharaoh commanded them to be thrown into the Nile. My heart is sad for them. How do you defend those who are angry with God or do not wish to follow God because of a situation like this in his word? Right. So... Um, so many, what I would just do is, and thank you for your question. I mm -hmm. really appreciate it. So I think the question is in your grief and in your sadness of what God did or didn't do, are you more holy and better than God? Mm. So, so that's, that's the situation. And so that, that's what we have to be careful of is, yeah. is wait a minute. So, so, cause what you're saying is I would have done better. Yeah. Or differently. Differently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would have, I would have acted in a different way and, and you may have. And so, you know, there are two different I, I'm, I'm, this is going to be a huge generalization, but there are two streams of thought, um, in scripture. And, and these aren't the only two streams. There, there, there are many, many streams, but there are two major streams of thought. And so one is determinative. So God has determined all things. Mm -hmm. And then other is God is, uh, created libertarian free will. I am a libertarian free will. I believe mm -hmm. that God has granted in his sovereignty, God has granted us the ability to choose. And I believe just because God knows something is going to happen does not mean he causes it. Yeah. So God is aware of the past, the present, and the future. God does not exist in time, but he created time so that we can exist. So he sits outside of what we understand. So that's why he knows all things that are going to happen. It's why he can be in all places at all times. And so God um, is saying, hey, look, I'm going to love you. I've chosen you. You're going to repeatedly mm -hmm. not follow me and pursue your own desires. And so you're going to hear this throughout scripture, Mindy. And so what you need to understand is that Israel continues to choose slavery. Mm -hmm. Israel continues to choose prostitution. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you read the minor prophets, it says you were a baby left for dead. Yeah. Your, your mother birthed you and left her dead. I wiped, I wiped the, um, what do you call it? When the, like the birth whatever. Yeah. The birth, juice. whatever. The birth juice. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for that. Yeah. yeah. That was Donna's contribution today. Birth juice. Um, After birth. <laughs> yeah. So God wiped that from them right, because absolutely. their mother just literally left them from dead. I cleaned you up. I mm -hmm. raised you as your own. I loved you. I was a faithful husband to you. And then you sold yourself repeatedly yeah. into prostitution mm -hmm. to be abused and trounced by other people. And so, so here's the thing, Mindy, that you have to understand. God's goodness is that he continues to faithfully love uh, Israel, even though they continually choose a future that rejects him and mm -hmm. goes their own way. And so here's the thing. God will never not love um, his elect and his chosen people. He will always remain faithful to that, but he will allow us to choose our own destinies, mm -hmm. our own futures, and we get to pay those consequences. And so part of the consequence, right, is the brothers, you know, we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's children sell Joseph into slavery. Mm -hmm. So Joseph says in the end of Genesis, who am I to sit in the seat of God? He does not judge his brothers, mm -hmm. but God does. Mm -hmm. And so the ultimate judgment is the slavery. Right. They sold their brother into slavery. Right. And so what happens? They, they then slavery. become sold into slavery. And that is the natural consequence of their sin. God is not forcing it. God is not causing it. God knew it. And out of that, even mm. though they're slaves, even though Pharaoh tries to kill them, yeah. even though Pharaoh tries to destroy them, God is sovereignly still working to save them. Yeah. And so, you know, God does not save us from all of our choices. Um, he will save us from eternal consequences. Mm -hmm. And so that's the beauty of the cross is, you know, the, the, the weight of my sin is eternal death, but the gift of Jesus, you know, faith in Jesus is eternal life. And so I can be freed from all of the consequences of my sin eternally. But in this life, 
I can experience those consequences. And so, you know, what that means is when I make decisions, there are consequences. You know, someone told me years ago at Sandals Church, you can choose your choices in life. You do not get to choose your consequences. And so the choice, um, you know, in life was to sell their brother, Mm -hmm. their own brother into slavery. And what ultimately happened that caused them to be in slavery. And so God did not intervene to save all of the babies in uh, Egypt, but he did intervene to save some through the conscience of the midwives, mm-hmm. through the conscience of, you know, and, and what is that? You know, these are, these are non, um, you know, in, in some cases, non-Jewish women that are helping, you know, these, these women give birth and their own consciences are saying, look, this is wrong. So mm-hmm. God is, is still working, still moving through the consciences of people, even though Pharaoh was evil and wrong. And so that's the thing is, it's really easy to sit back and say, oh, because God allowed this to happen, God is not good. And so what we need to look at is what scripture shows us is that God is working even in the midst of what's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on a book right now. I'm trying to finish it. Um, actually, the deadline was January 6th. <laughs> so, um, but even, life's not fair, but God is good. Mm-hmm. And so trying to work through that and understand that God is sovereignly working to save my soul, even mm-hmm. though I'm making decisions that risk my life mm-hmm. and the lives of my children mm-hmm. and the life of my marriage. And, you know, and the life of my physical future, but God is still working to save that which matters most, which is my soul. Yeah. And so I think, Mindy, you know, that man, I appreciate the fact that you've read through that many times, but we also have to understand that when we read this story, we're reading it from our current culture, from mm-hmm. our current perspective. And this is an ancient book uh, that's written, you know, thousands of years ago. And so it spoke perfectly to the people in their understanding and their cultural world. And there are just differences in our world that we're, it's really hard for us to try to understand, okay, how does this mesh? So that's why we need Jesus. And I think that's, I think something you said, I don't think you were intending to say it, but I, it's what I caught from what you said is that we have to be so careful too, that even the sin that we are committing or the things that we are omitting or whatever, that it will affect our children, our, yeah. the next generation, the next generation. We have to be so careful because these babies no, they didn't deserve to be thrown in the Nile, no. but the slavery was as a result of the sins of their grandparents or great grandparents, however many generations that was. And so I think that's really powerful. And and I've heard you say many times, we have to make sure that we're looking at the Bible through the story of redemption. Like yeah. where do we see God's redeeming hand through and, it? And specifically through Jesus. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, and I think we're going to get to this question in a bit, so I don't want to jump ahead, but everything is pointing to Jesus, who yeah. is the ultimate clarification of who mm-hmm. God is and what his desire is. And so you know, as great as Moses is and as great as Exodus is, it's a beautiful book. We still need the coming Messiah to provide clarity. Otherwise we get stuck in this mystery and and all these questions are not answered. But I think what you said is, so the Shema, hero Israel, the Lord, your God is one. Mm -hmm. So we need to understand that, that when we worship God, he sets us free. When we sin, we, we automatically go into bondage and that, and that is the story of the Israelites. Mm -hmm. They, they went into bondage and they chose this for themselves. And there was a time, right, in Egypt where it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was good. Right. And maybe from their perspective, it was better than what they had in the mm-hmm. promised land. Mm-hmm. So, but they got comfortable and then ultimately they became enslaved. And so, um, you know, because there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. Know Joseph yeah. And so, you know, and that's what's happening in our own country. We have a generation of people where more people don't know God than do know God. Yeah. And, and our culture shifting and our culture's changing. And so we have to remind ourselves of who God is. And so just understand that, you know, your decisions today affect tomorrow. You know what the Bible says, the New Testament says, what you sow, you reap. So Mm -hmm. the seeds you're putting in today are going to sprout up Mm -hmm. and you can't outrun that. And so we can't just say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to confess my sins to God and he's going to pull out all those seeds that I've planted. He's going to forgive us of the sin, but we still have to experience the harvest Mm -hmm. of what we've sown. And so that's difficult for a lot of people. That's hard for a lot of people. And that's why, you know, a lot of people, when they, you know, come out, they become sober, it's just easier to be drunk. It's Mm -hmm. just easier to go back and be drunk than it is to deal with the relational brokenness, Mm -hmm. the financial situation, the personal hurt, all of the things that you've done, it's just easier to go back and be numb. Absolutely. So great question. question, And I hope that helped Mindy. I really appreciate you. So good. Okay. We've got another from Reno Valley. This is John. Moval coming in. Moval coming in. Okay. In regards to love and law, can you explain what Paul is talking about in Galatians 3, 24 through 25? Uh, Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Right. So, and I, and I thought I covered that in the sermon. I can't remember if it was this week or the last week, but the whole point of trying to live out the law is to realize you can't do it. Right. It's like I say, 
people in our church who are the best parents think they're the worst because yeah. they're trying. Right. Right? They care about their kids. They're trying to provide a better future for them. And so they beat themselves up constantly. The worst parents in our church <laughs> are the ones who think they're awesome, man. They're like, I'm incredible. And it's like, man. Try again. Yeah, try again. So so the purpose of the law, when you when you really, really just, just let's just pick one, the first commandment. Put God first. Yeah. Try that today. Mm-hmm. And see how that works out. You're going to fail. Absolutely. At some moment, you're going to fail no matter how hard you try, no matter how difficult you were. You know, the Apostle Paul says, I wouldn't even have known what coveting was unless the Lord told me right, what it was. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, thou shalt not covet. You know, there's there's something, you know, psychologists know that 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 whenever you tell people, like if I told you, don't look over there, everything yeah. in you wants right. to look. Right. Like, what is that? Yeah. And so <laughs> so the purpose of the law is to teach us that yeah. we can't not look. Mm. We have to don't make an idol. That's all we do. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be a hypocrite. That's that's just what religion becomes. Make sure you rest one day a week. Well, mm. well, 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 you know, honor your mom <laughs> and dad. Well, you know. I mean, all of these things, we, we come up with all of these reasons to violate these commandments because the purpose of the commandment is to teach us that we need a new heart. Mm. And so, That's good. so it's not just 10 commandments, it's 613, yeah. <laughs> you know, that Jesus ultimately summarizes into two, yeah. uh, you know, one out of Deuteronomy, one out of Leviticus. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize that, but love your neighbor as yourself. Um, you know, the second commandment that is equal comes out of Leviticus. Mm-hmm. I believe it's 19. Can somebody fact check me on that? It's either Leviticus 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. I think it's 1918. Wow. That would be awesome. Probably not. 1819 or 1918. Uh, yeah. Oof. Yeah. I'm a little nervous. Leviticus 19 gets a little dicey. So. Yeah. Is that the one with the. Uh, <laughs> is it 1918? Okay. I got really nervous. I was like, oh, please don't. Yeah. Because there's some passages on sexuality. Don't sleep with animals yeah. or your mom's sister. There, that's. <laughs> All that. Yeah. That's, that's a wonderful, you know, chapter. But, people, but, but, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, well, you got to, you know, throw out Leviticus, right? So remember. What is the the book of Leviticus? Right. He he called out. Right. So it's saying, hey, don't live like the, the people all the around nations. you. Yeah. Live like I've called you to live. And so that's the purpose of the law is to teach us that we should be different. But the conviction of the law is I can't. Mm. At the end of the day, no matter how good of a husband or a father I want to be, I'm a sinner mm-hmm. and I make mistakes. And um, you know, my wife and I were talking about um we were, we were at uh, Pastor uh, Melendres' house last night and um, we were just talking about raising kids and their, their kids are getting ready to hit puberty and we're like, hold on, because uh, things are about to change. And, you know, I mean, they're nervous, you know, I think there's yeah. part of them that's like, no, not my baby. And I'm like, oh, it's everyone's baby yeah. because your kids' brains get scrambled yeah, when they become they teenagers melt. and it's, it's not their fault. <laughs> but, but, you know, we, um, I had so many dreams and fantasies about all the awesome experiences, you know, we were going to have. <laughs> when I was a dad and one real one, you know, I, I took my kids to Hawaii and, um, I thought I was being great. You know, I gave them, you know, you got so much money f- to spend and, and you mm-hmm. did all these things. And I even let my son bring a friend out. Cause you know, he has two sisters and you right. know, they have each right. other and Madison sitting in here. Her idea of vacation is buy five books <laughs> and she'll just, I'm not kidding. We go to Hawaii and I, I bet I went to Barnes and Noble every other day because Madison can read through wow. a book in like a day. I'm like, kid, you know, she just, poof, that's what she does, man. So, um, you know, so I, I brought a friend out. We had this great vacation and the last night he did something and I had warned him about it. I lost my mm. temper mm. and I just, I blew up at him mm-hmm. and, and I put my hands on him, which I'm not, I'm not proud of. And, 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 you know, I had to, his mother intervene to save her his lovely life. son. And, <laughs> and I, and I, and, and I, and I, I got up and I walked out and I just walked laps around this block in Hawaii and I was so angry and and I, and I realized what I was angry was here. I had, I had tried so hard to right. build this great memory mm-hmm. and I knew for the rest of his life, mm. the only thing he's going to remember about that trip is my five minute blow up. Mm. And I, and I was angry at myself and I was angry at him, but ultimately what it revealed is no matter how much you love your kids, no matter how good of experience you want to build, sin is right there. Yeah. Even in Hawaii, right. even a hotel, perfect place, you know, perfect situation. And it was just an absolute fail. Mm. And you know, that's what Paul says. You know, this is a trustworthy saying that everyone should accept it, that Christ came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst. Because after trying to live this out, he realized I just can't do this. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Right. It just means we need to be honest and say, okay, I need grace. Yeah. I need grace in my life and and I need to be saved. And so that's the reason the law is to point us to the fact that we need a Messiah. We need, a we need to be saved from whom ourselves, because 
left to ourselves, what do we choose? Bondage. Yeah, I bondage. <laughs> we 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 want to enslave ourselves. You know, um, one theologian once said that the gates of hell are locked from the inside. Wow. Not from the outside. Hmm. That people that people are voluntarily choosing to be there. You know, it is not God's choice that you are in hell, but your choice to reject God and to pursue yourself mm-hmm. and to harm yourself for all eternity. And all you had to do was was repent, metaneo, change your mind, and come okay. to Him. Yeah. But they do not. And uh, man, you want to read a scary book on that? Read The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. It's just there, there's this scene, and so C.S. Lewis uh, believes in purgatory. Mm-hmm. So, um, so and if you don't know what purgatory is, it's this this whole idea of of this intermediate stage that's developed really out of you know, a, a medieval theology, what I mean by medieval theology is let's say 800 um, AD to about, I don't know, 1500. What happens to people who die in sin, who don't know Jesus, who didn't have an opportunity to repent? So they created this idea of purgatory where there's this intermediate state where you still get to choose. So C.S. Lewis believes in that. And um, I don't, but it, it's still a great book. Mm-hmm. But um, this mother and son are at the gates of heaven and the son wants to go in. And the mother is saying, if you love me, you would come with me to hell. Wow. Demanding that her son in the name of love, come with her to hell. And it's just, it's, it is a profound just story of how broken our love is. Mm-hmm. And he, and the angels, the angels are begging him, come, mm-hmm. come, come. And, um, and, uh, it's, it's a fantastic book. And the whole idea is that what hell is, is, you know, and I've never been divorced, but I've walked with friends who've gone through it and they just, they said, it's like your soul being ripped apart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what hell is. It's, you, you're being ripped apart forever from the one love that you were made mm-hmm. for, God's love. And that's why C.S. Lewis wrote it and mm-hmm. called it The Great Divorce. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just so, so sad. So it, we, we need Christ who dies on the cross because he lived a life we could not live. You know, the most powerful verse in the Bible is, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. It's this great exchange where Jesus Christ is perfect he, he, so think of the 10 commandments. Yeah. He lived every one of them every day, mm-hmm. every single day. God was first. Mm-hmm. He never worshiped idols. Mm-hmm. He was never a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he Sabbath, he, he irritated people on the Sabbath, but he <laughs> right. Sabbath, right. He honored his mother and father. Mm-hmm. You know, he never killed anyone. He, he, you know, he, he just perfectly all the way through it. He never committed adultery, never committed sexual mm-hmm. sin, you know, went through this life, lived it perfectly, followed God, and then died a horrific death yeah. on a cross as a criminal in the name of blasphemy. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who never blasphemed. Right. But he was crucified for blasphemy as the son of God, and he did that for us. And so, right, again, the power of choice. We cannot save ourselves, but we do, I believe, we can respond to the gospel. Amen. And we can choose to believe in Jesus and all who call upon the name of the Lord. This is why sandals and sandals, right. Romans 10 shall be saved. Amen. So. Amen. And yeah. he added, thank you, Pastor Matt, praying for you and Sandals. So thank you, Thank you, you Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah, great, great, great. We so I, we still, the law is a tutor. So especially like if you're, you know, and this is the mistake I think mature Christians make. We say, well, we're not under the law. It's about relationship. But if you don't have a relationship with God, yeah. you need a tutor. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I made this mistake early on at Sandals Church. I was like, it's not about rules. It's about relationship. Well, we had all these people coming out of you know, Egypt coming out mm. of Sodom and Gomorrah right. and they needed Need the rules. rules. Yeah. They, they needed, they needed this structure. They needed this buy-in. And so, you know, oftentimes what mature Christians despise new Christians need. Mm. And, and you just got to understand that, um, you know, cause when I came out of church, it's like, well, you know, when I was a kid, we went to church four days a week. Some people need church seven days mm-hmm. a week. Like you, you're not, you cannot be on your own. Right. You're just not there yet. Mm-hmm. You need that tutor. You need that structure. You need that organization for your life because left to yourself, you'll choose bondage. Absolutely. And it's just scary. And I've heard you say several times, I mean, relationships have rules. Yes. So although you're not a slave per se to this rule, yeah. um, you need them in order to have good boundaries in the relationship so that the relationship can thrive. So, so good. Yes. Jonathan. Thank you, friend. Yeah, great we question. Moval okay. coming in, man. Pastor All Andrew right. Bogenwright. Right. He's got some theologians out there, Moval. <laughs> That's right. I have friends out there too. Love it. Okay. So jo- uh, Josh from Riverside says... Pastor Craig Rochelle says that everyone is a leader because everyone has influence over someone. You speak a lot of men being boys. I want to be the best. I love this question. I want to be the best leader Christian I can possibly be. I want to be able to properly lead my family, future sons and daughters, future wife, potentially future flock if the Lord has me lead one. And honestly, anyone that the Lord puts in my life, how do I know I'm ready to be a leader? You're ready to be a leader when you can lead yourself. Mm. And so how do you know? How do you know when you can lead yourself? When you can choose what you have to do over what you want. That's the first step in leadership. I tell my son this all the time. Leadership is about choosing what you need to do over what you want to do. 
someone who can't lead themselves chooses what they want. Mm-hmm. And, and we see this across our society. People don't want to work. They want to have fun. They want to eat whatever they want. They want all of the blessings, but none of the work. Mm-hmm. And we need to remember that even before sin, work was a blessing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, a lot of Christians think we're going to sit in heaven doing nothing. That'd drive me crazy. You know, Adam and Eve had work. Their job was to work and to keep the garden. Mm-hmm. That was their responsibility. They were to rule and, um, you know, over the animals and, and subdue it. Mm-hmm. And we, f- we forget that. And that, and again, going back to the first question, you know, Annie Moss, you know, God, God is sovereign and in control, but in his sovereignty and in his control, he's placed us in charge of the earth. And so what that means is our human decisions like Pharaoh, when he as a man of power makes a decision to murder yep. Hebrew boys, they die. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why we need to be praying for our leaders. We need to be praying for those who are in charge of us because when we get bad leaders, I mean, think about the poor Russian people. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got Putin who is sending their sons to slaughter. Right. He's, you know, I, so put this in perspective. I heard this the other day. So I, I don't know how long the Vietnam War went, 15 years, 17 years. Somebody could Google it. I think the total deaths were just under 57,000. Mm-hmm. So since the Iraqi, wow. excuse me, since the Ukraine invasion of Russia, I think they've lost 120,000 men. So in one year, they're double what we lost Vietnam. in Vietnam. And so think of all those moms. 10 years is the general. Wow. Oh, 10 years. It's okay. So in 10 years, 57,000. Wow. So, so in one year, he's doubled that. Hmm. And, and, you know, the, and that's what happens when you get a bad leader. Because mm-hmm. in Russia, you can't say, no, my son won't go serve. Right. I mean, it, that creates problems in America. Mm-hmm. You know, where, you know, when your boy turns 18 and you'll go through this, they have to mail in their draft status. We had to do that with our son. Hmm. And so... um you know, it's, it, it's a tough thing. And so we need to pray for our leaders because our leaders can make decisions that affect us. And so, you know, I love Pastor Craig Rochelle. I believe he is America's greatest leader pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a great example of, of how important leadership is versus communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Greg is, Greg, Greg. Craig is, 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 is a really good communicator. There are much better communicators. Right. Craig is the best leader I've Absolutely. ever met. Um, I actually am going to, I think, get to hang out with him next week. So I'm going to a conference where he'll be there and he is just fantastic. He is, and here's the thing about him. He is, he's the most disciplined. I think I'm disciplined. He makes me look undisciplined. Mm -hmm. I mean, he counts his calories. He does the same thing every day. He is meticulous about everything that he does. So he has placed authority over his entire life Mm -hmm. and he is organized to the T because not only does he want to be a leader, you know, of the future and in the present, but he wants to be a leader in every moment. And so what I would say is, is uh, Josh, the best way to honor God's call in your life is to honor God where he's placed you. And so right now he's placed you in Riverside and just start saying, okay, what can I lead and where can I lead mm-hmm. and walk in that. And, and here's the thing, don't get ahead of him. Um, I, you know, early on, Matt Brown was so focused on where I thought God was calling me. I neglected where God yeah. had me. And I, I wasn't faithful in the present because I was focused on the future. And so, you know, I know a lot, not everyone likes the Enneagram, but um, it's been really helpful to me because, you know, it divides people into people who are present thinking, mm-hmm. people who are forward thinking, and people who are past thinking. My wife is very present oriented. I'm very future oriented. Mm-hmm. So what that means is, you know, my wife doesn't always see around the corner. Mm-hmm. My problem is all, all I'm looking is down the corner and I'm missing, you know, my wife, like, Literally, we'll be having a conversation. I'll be on my phone and the phone will say, put your phone down and listen to your daughter. I'm like, oh, you know, I got to put that down because I'm being distracted thinking Mm -hmm. about something I got to do tomorrow and I'm not listening to what's most important, which is my kid Mm -hmm. who's talking in the present. And so we work on that. And so I think a lot of leaders, most leaders are future oriented. Mm -hmm. They can see what others can't see. They can see where they need to go. That's why we use the word vision. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, I don't know if you've ever been at a church where the pastor doesn't have vision, but it's rough. So good guy. In some, in your tradition, good gal. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if they don't have vision, right, it is brutal. Yeah. Like, because you know, where are we going? What are we going right. to do? My problem is I got too much vision, mm-hmm. but I need to be in the present. And how do I deal with what's happening right here, right now? So take responsibility. Um, actually, I would look at the Ten Commandments, and so I actually thought about writing a discipleship book just on the Ten Commandments plus the two that Jesus gave: um, love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And really, you know, twelve principles, you know, for self leadership. Mm-hmm because that's really yeah. what I think it is. And so how can I put God first? So be meticulous about your quiet time with God. What are the idols in your life? I can tell you, Josh, one of them is going to be the picture of your success. Mm. So you got you to gotta throw that before the Lord. You know, in the book of Revelation, God puts crowns on all the elders. What do they do? They take them off and they throw them mm-hmm. at his feet. 
because you realize in the presence of God, nothing that we do matters compared right. to him. And a lot of guys get caught up in this vision of themselves and then they lose God, which mm -hmm. is the ultimate vision. And then just run through those things and just say, okay, God, how am I doing? How am I resting? Yeah. Am I taking a day off? What am I doing with my free time? You know? Um, so honoring your father and mother, you know, it, it, what, especially as a young man, your sexuality, it's so important that you get a hold of your lusts and your desires. So many young leaders are destroyed, erect by pornography mm -hmm. or, you know, so many couples. And I know a lot of our couples that listen to the debrief, you know, you're having sex outside of marriage and you don't think it matters. It matters to God. Yeah. We worship a covenantal God. And if you don't know what covenant is, the best word we have for that is a marriage. Mm -hmm. It's, it's an agreement. Here's what I'm going to do. And so again, rules matter. Mm -hmm. God has created you to have sex within the context of marriage and nowhere else. And so that's difficult but it's necessary to be a leader. And you see throughout scripture, man, sex is so important to God and it messes up great leaders like David, great leaders like Solomon. It messes up all kinds of leaders. And that's why the apostle Paul tells Timothy that you should run from your youthful mm -hmm. lusts. So that's where I would start, Josh. And, and it's going to be you know, difficult at first, especially if you're single, but just slowly surrender to that. Get in a great accountability group Absolutely. and get an accountability group where you can be 100% honest. Here's what happened. Here's what I'm going through. And I think over time, um, you know, because when God called me into ministry, I mean, I, I, I gave my life to Christ and almost instantly I knew I was called to ministry. Drinking, no problem. Mm -hmm. Weed, no problem. The sex issue for me was a big deal. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it was my idol. And I had, to, I had to lay it down at the feet of Christ. And I said, okay, Lord, I need to die to this. And it wasn't until I got a hold of that that God really got a hold of my life mm -hmm. because it was an idol. It's a demon in my life. Yeah. And for a lot of people, it just is. And they don't realize that when you are sexually sinning, you you are grieving the Holy Spirit of mm -hmm. God and you're not hearing from God. Yeah. So, and again, there's a difference, Josh, between gifting and anointing. So a leader can still be gifted, right? but not anointed. Mm -hmm. And so why is Sandals Church successful? There's been an anointing on my life that's all from God. You know, just as I reflected, just when I think about Sandals Church, all the struggles, all the mistakes, all the things that we did wrong, mm -hmm. why is Sandals here? There's an anointing on my life that I could have lost at any moment yeah. had I chosen to sin. Mm -hmm. I'd still be, my, my personality is still going to be me. This yeah. is the way God made me. Mm -hmm. But my anointing comes That's from, right. and, and I'm afraid to lose that. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid to, you know, David says, do not take thy Holy Spirit mm -hmm. from me. That is his greatest fear because he realizes without that, I'm a shepherd boy. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, he can still play the harp. Yep. He can still sing, he still has maybe still kill a bear. Right. But, but without that man, you know, he's sitting in the field with a sheep and with the anointing, he's sitting on a throne. Yeah. And so, you know, again, with God and, and just look at the life of Moses, you are unleashed to be who you're called to be. And then look at Pharaoh. And I was surprised we didn't get any questions about this because my whole life I was taught that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, God's hardened, hardened Pharaoh's heart. But the two first hardenings mm -hmm. says that God saw that his heart was hard. Yeah. And then it says that he chose. Yeah. yeah. So remember, Kasach, strong. Everyone yeah. thought that was funny. And then <laughs> Caleb, um, you know, to, 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 you know, and we say it this way, that boy has a strong will. Mm -hmm. That's what it means. And so God took that and then just, it's called judicial hardening over time. Mm. He hardened it so that Pharaoh could not respond because ultimately, you know, Pharaoh had a choice at the beginning, but then he has no choice because now you have unleashed Man, the finger the wrath, of God. Yep. Yeah, the wrath. And um, I'm super excited about this next week's message. And I think a lot of people realize the danger of idols. And so this is just a sneak peek for our debrief listeners. You're going to have one up. But a lot of people don't realize that the Egyptian magicians can do everything yeah. that Moses can do. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's the lure of idols. Mm. There's a time so and a season yeah. where they can fill your heart. Mm. But there's going to come a moment in your life where the, the Egyptians say, we cannot do that. Yeah. And they say, that is the finger of God. Mm. And, and, and unfortunately, many of us get, in, get into that moment when we need the finger of God, we need the truth of God, we need the real thing, but our whole life we worship yeah. this idol and now we're in trouble. And we've walked so far away. We've walked so far <laughs> from God. And you can't take back the unleashing of the plagues. Wow. You know, and, and a lot of people miss, right? There's 10 plagues. And there's 10 commandments. Mm -hmm. They, they miss the completeness of it. And, um, you know, ultimately, like I said, you know, Pharaoh loses everything. Yeah. Mm. His son, his throne, mm -hmm. his mind, you know, his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything, um, you know, again, and, and, and what does he lose it for? Chasing what he thought was his. Mm -hmm. And, and again, that's, man, I wish everybody would listen 
you are chasing something that you think is yours. And, and the end of that is a powerful crash yes. and drowning, or you can follow God what has for you. Yeah. You know, cause again, what is Moses's name out of the water? There's just this epic story of God delivering Moses out of the water and God using water to, to destroy yeah. Pharaoh. Um, yeah. And so we miss that, that, um, you know, again, what is God teaching the Israelites? Because they thought, back in those days, they thought a God was a God of this hill, this land, this country, this people. And so it never would have occurred to the Israelites. And same thing with Jonah, right? Mm-hmm. So when Jonah runs from God, why does he get on a boat? Yeah. Because God is not the God of the Mediterranean Ocean. Mm-hmm. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he is. He's the God of all things. And so Jonah learns, oh, mm-hmm. I can't go to the other side of the mm-hmm. world. I can't go to, uh, where Tarshish. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't go there you know, God's, I've got to go to Nineveh, but, um, we need to learn that. So these are great questions. These are but, really yeah, great. Thank you yeah. so much, I think Josh. you guys just really lean into the, you know, sometimes you think, oh, 10 commandments, blah, 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 but lean in and, and listen to what the Lord is speaking to us. I think, um, every week it's just going to get better and better and better. And, uh, we're going to get to continue to dig in and learn what God has for us, how yeah. to live these with these old rules, but yeah. it, it, it's for our new life. It's yeah, for amen. an amazing life. Amen. So thank you guys for these questions. Thank you for watching the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, consider liking, subscribing, and sharing it with a friend. If you would like to submit a question to Pastor Matt, you can do so at move.sc ask. And if you would like to support the work we are doing, consider donating at donate.sc. Thank you again and have a blessed day.